You're listening to The Freestyle Approach with Tracy Kafer. This episode features Levy Soul of Sparkles of Soul. Hey guys, so this is Tracy with The Freestyle Approach, which is a podcast from Finding Your Freestyle. And I'm here on this episode today to talk with Levy Soul. This is our first podcast done virtually. And actually, Levy is, you know, in the future, um, in the morning, and I'm here um, on a Thursday evening, and we're going to chat about her process and journey into jewelry making and how that's integrated in with freestyle. So, hi, Levy. Welcome. Hi. And I'll say your business name just so that everyone knows and can look it up because it's amazing. Um, the business is sparkles of soul and she has an Etsy page and on there is how many, uh, pieces do you have on sale right now? Today I have about 214, but after we're done, I'm probably going to post about 10 more. (laughs) So you have been keeping busy because, uh, I, she's going to give you the background of this business, but it hasn't been live that long. And to have such a robust store is really, really impressive. Um, so let's start Levy with, and let me preface this by saying Levy and I are are really good friends. We've known each other for, what is it? Three or four years now, something like that. So, so, um, I'm excited to talk to her and, and share her process with you because I've actually found her journey so inspiring. And, um, she's the kind of person where she's in your newsfeed and you pause and you just want to know what she's doing and you want to be a part of her process because there's so much passion, so much love, so much purity of intention in what she's creating. So um, without further ado, Levy, give me a little bit of background. You can go into maybe how you met me or what you know me from um, leading up to, you know, how did Sparkles of Soul begin? When did it begin? What was the spark? So share with us what you would like to share with us about your background. Okay. Um, so first let me start by saying I live in Japan. So when Tracy said that I'm in the future, I'm, it's because I live in Japan. <laughs> um, and not I think, you're in the actual future. Yeah. Not cause I'm in the actual future, but I think a large part of the reason I'm okay with taking risks is because I live abroad. I've been living abroad for seven years. So two years in Korea and five years in Japan. And I think it kind of does something to you when you're not part of the culture that you're around. And so no one has these expectations of you trying to fit in because you're not going to fit in. And I started pole dancing when I lived in Korea. So actually I I was interested in it seven, like more than seven years ago, but I was, um, things were stopping me from taking a pole class. And it wasn't until I lived abroad um, that I just stepped into a studio with a friend and and took my first class. Uh, I first met Tracy, I think, on, on social media, on Facebook. There were just people that I wanted to dance like, you know, and there were people I wanted to emulate. And when I saw her, like everything that she posted on Facebook at the time, it was only Facebook. Instagram wasn't a big deal yet when I was, um, first doing my online research, but everything that she posted made me want to dance freer. 
Uh, I didn't know what that meant at the time. Actually, haven't I didn't really dance until I came to Korea. So, um, well, you have had no moving background at all. No, <laughs> maybe awesome. I took Zumba classes. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> teach them, but I took Zumba classes. Uh, I took jazzercise classes with my mom. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh wow, I didn't. I didn't actually know that. I didn't know you didn't come from any background in any movement. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually didn't even really experience yoga until I lived in Asia either. Mm. So that's pretty interesting. (laughs) I remember actually when you first posted on, I'm getting a memory of the first post you had on Instagram when it was like the first time you were publicly sharing your video. And that was a very exciting thing because I don't think you had been sharing your movement publicly. And I remember that. Oh my goodness. And it's really funny that you say that because that was a while ago. I'm, you know, I made my Instagram public. I was like, look, I'm, I'm a pole dancer. And then I remember that you, you reposted it and I felt so proud. And one of the things that had me start my business was because in January, 2018, so a little bit more than a year ago, I had to put my pole dancing Instagram private. Um, and that's actually one of the things that got me started on one of those tiny little breadcrumbs that I had to follow that got me started to my small business. Um, someone sent an email to my boss. I'm usually a um, classroom full-time teacher. Not anymore, but that's what I was during that time. Um, and my boss told me to take my Instagram down. He said, well, you know, pole dancing is a, it's not really something that we want our community to know that you do. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that you do it, but please make it private. And I felt shamed and I, I was so like upset, I actually took a little bit of a pole break during that time. And right. it was, it was horrible. I'm over it now, but because I, because that happened to me, because that contrast happened to me, I needed the space and the time to meditate more and realize why am I allowing people to do this to me? Why am I allowing the shame to come to me? And I created this space. I wasn't dancing and my creativity had to go in another way. Um, and because I had that little bit of space, because I wasn't filling every second of my day with one thing, I, I filled it with other things and now I can kind of put them both together. So it's funny that you mentioned that coming back to, um, how I started, how we met becoming public and becoming private and how it, how it became integral to starting sparkles of soul. Yeah. It's almost like that block in the flow it made you flow somewhere new. And it's really kind of exciting to see, um, see what's coming up for you. So share a little bit about, you know, the, the seedlings, the beginnings of sparkles of soul, um, what your influences were and how, I don't think people realize how quickly it's flourished. So tell us a little bit about it. Uh, it started with a citrine, which is a yellow, like healing stone. It was just like a little citrine that I, I had with me. I loved it so much. It was Reiki infused. Um, before I even knew what Reiki was, I bought it and I just loved being with it. And because of that citrine, I wanted to wear it. I didn't know how to do that. 
like couldn't figure it out. Like, how can I make this a necklace? So on Instagram, I followed someone um, and I bought one of her necklaces and I showed her a picture of my citrine and I asked her, can you send me the raw materials to make this? Um, so she did. So she, she gave me like, I bought a lot of things from her. Um, her name is Oksana124 on Instagram and she has tutorials on oh. YouTube. Yeah. So I started with her and I actually started before I started watching before I got the wire <laughs> and just cause I was so excited. So I would watch it. And actually when I started creating the wire, I couldn't have the video on cause I'm not great at following directions. Sometimes <laughs> I, I get a little annoyed when people tell me what to do. So I would, boy, do I resonate with that. <laughs> so it was like from memory or from like general, Oh, what, what does she do? And if you take a look at what she does, you can see that my style is greatly influenced by what she does, but I've also just like my life taken a lot of tangents and added new things. And, um, you know, when you follow people on Instagram, like other wire rappers, it's really easy to get inspired and then for that to lead to something else, to lead to something else. And I think that's similar to pole, you know, like, Oh, I want to dance with this person. Um, and it just gets you into a rabbit hole of who are their influences, um, what clothes do they wear, you know, and or like with wire wrappers, like what, where do they buy their healing stones? What kind of wire do they use? What shape, what materials? So it's just, uh, there's, there's a lot of bad rap about social media, but for artists, I think it's a great way to connect us to each other, no matter what part of the world that you're in. Absolutely. And I think about, um, I think the term is morphic resonance, but I'm actually not completely sure. And I hope I'm not talking out of my depth here, but this idea that w once something is able to be done by someone, it's much easier. It accelerates in someone else being able to do that. And so this idea of things naturally evolving. And I think Instagram and it's like shiny light lighted aspects is this catalyst for creativity. Um, and like you getting permission to do something cause you see it happening somewhere else. And I, I think it can be really healthy in that way. Unfortunately, you know, the shadowy parts of it kind of blend in and, and hit you before you realize it's hit you. Um, and so it, it requires a lot of, I think, self-regulation, right? Yes. Yes. One of my aims is to stay off it once a week, like one day a week, a full 24 hours where I can um, be off of it. But it's hard because when I'm not on social media, I'm not promoting my business and I'll notice, um, maybe my sales will go down or my, like my followers will decrease. And although that doesn't mean like that doesn't, it's not a direct translation to how much I'm worth, but I'm hoping to make my small business a totally full-time thing. And so promotion is part of, of small business. A hundred percent. Yeah. So your, so sparkles of store soul originated with this, the citrine, which I think is amazing that it was a citrine because obviously that's kind of the solar plexus crystal. And yeah. here you initiate an entire, you know, active business from, uh, from just desiring to be around the citrine. I think that's really magical. Um, where did it evolve from there? So you had your initial materials, you made your first piece for you. And then when did that become what it became, you know, became, well, I'll, I'll also point out that this happened two weeks after I got Reiki attuned, um, Reiki one and two attuned. So that was two weeks after. So I just felt like more open to 
any direction. Like when you do Reiki on yourself, it really just, first of all, you're making yourself have that space in the morning. So it's not just like a 10 minute meditation, but it's a 30 minutes, 30 minutes of checking in with your whole body, with each of your chakras. And I would just, I knew a lot more about myself. I allowed myself to take more walks, if that makes sense, or really have that space. And then, um, once I made that first necklace, I, I felt that spark, like there was just this tingly excitement all over me. And I, she gave me extra materials. So then I made a like a second necklace and then I couldn't stop from there. I, I couldn't find that exact wire. I still don't have that exact wire in Japan. So I had to just make do with what I had. Um, my husband helped me find it. He's very good at finding things. Um, and I first started just wrapping for myself. I started wrapping whatever stones I wanted to wear and I posted them on Instagram. And then my friends, um, especially my brother was, they were like, just start an Etsy, just do it. And I thought, well, I'm not doing this to make money. I just, I'm doing it for fun, but they kept like pushing me Mm -hmm. and well, it's not going to hurt. And there were, so then I started to think of a future customer. Um, and I created this, my very first listing was a tiger eye ring and I I knew it wasn't for me. It was for someone else. I didn't know who that person was, but I thought like, what would she want? What would, um, what kind of style is this? And, and then I posted it. It took three months for it to get found and then bought. But I just, I remember that feeling of like, I'm putting this out there into the universe for someone else. If I kept it to myself and didn't start this Etsy, like no one would find it. Um, I'm actually, I'm helping my friend start a Etsy and she's having this kind of trouble, like, oh, first let me make my business official. Let me do this first. Let me make all my things. And I just keep wanting to say, it just starts with one listing and then go from there. Like, don't make yourself all of these obstacles and then start. Like, it's just one listing. You lose 20 cents, Hmm. Um, but... How it's long just, ago was your first listing? So that, that was a timeline. October 2018. And right now we're talking March 2019. So that's what, six months, less than six months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is just, to me, that just seems the, like an insane level of productivity. However, you know, it sounds like you, you know, you're just leading with what you feel like doing, what, what's driving your, you know, what energizes you. And then you, six months later, you're waking up with 240 um, pieces available for sale. I think that's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's it's working with the ebbs and flows of creativity. Like when I'm feeling aligned, then I sit and I create, create, create. And I, I like do it as much as I can. And then there are times where I'm not and I'm I have to respect my energy and I have to respect that I'm creating things for other people and I don't want negative energy on them. And so instead I'll do other things for my business, like uh, things that just have to get done, like posting my address on each envelope, which actually makes me happy (laughs) because I'm thinking these envelopes are going to go ship to other parts of the world. Like that's one of those things that just gets me started on making me happy and grateful and then changes my mood and then I can start creating again. Um, but it's being okay with not setting a, a time and date saying Monday is my creation day. And then if it doesn't happen, 
you know, just that's okay. That's what happens. That's how life is. Absolutely. And I think you've gotten really good at seeking alignment and, and working with, um, you know, being very aware of resistance that comes up, you know, in your process and just honoring that resistance and then finding a place where flow happens, even if it's a menial task, like writing address labels, and then you, you, you're finding alignment so much quicker. And I think a lot of creative people out there are setting those tasks. Okay. Here's the bubble, the window of time where I need to, you know, execute this thing. And actually you, you get there, especially as a female, right. And you may not be in that exact place that you, um, need to quote unquote need to be in. And so I really love this idea of you making space and um, seeking alignment first before you start making things. And I think that's a missing piece for, for people sometimes is they're trying to make things happen when that alignment isn't there. Um, so I think that's a really good, good bit of wisdom. I think it's also yeah. recognizing that that contrast of not being aligned is part of the process and can bring so much more. So it's enjoying that, um, that moment where I'm just not feeling it. I know I should create 20 necklaces today, but I'm just not feeling it and that's okay. And there's going to be something that will grow from this. Uh, it's harder. It's easy to say that now when you're feeling good, but, um, eventually with more training, I guess, or catching your thoughts, before they spiral into negativity. Cause it's easy to lose a day <laughs> to, to lose a day of like standing in front of my space saying I must create this and actually having nothing created. Right. It's easy for that to happen. So I'll recognize it. And then I have to change, you know, like, okay, let me dance or let me take a walk. Let me, um, just get out of this space and do something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think what you say about, you know, if you're, leaning away from something and then you're allowing yourself to lean away from something, you can actually find other ways to be fed. And and I think it's great that you have that movement practice and it's, it, it kind of is this, this other creative space for you to, to be in. So on that note, um, let's talk a little bit about these qualities of freestyle. What does freestyle mean to you? And maybe tell us a little bit about how freestyle worked its way into sparkles of soul. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I think as children, we all know how to play and freestyle, but then as we grow up, we get all of these blocks. We go to school from nine to five or whatever time, eight to three or something. And we have to sit in desks and it's kind of like banged out of us, you know? Mm -hmm. So as adults, it's like us trying to find our playtime again and trying to uh, recognize all of those um, constraints that we've been putting on us whether they're from our parents or from school or work or society and just trying to forget them and just play. Um, so I really first learned that through finding your freestyle, which is funny because I didn't even start pole dancing until about seven years ago. So I was before, before pole, I was like always following the rules. I was a type a, um, I loved my job as a Spanish teacher in New York city uh, but I just, I didn't have hobbies. Like I only did that job. I took home papers and I graded. That was all I was. Um, and when I moved abroad, it gave me this, this space to explore. And when I specifically learned how to freestyle in pole, and then I took a finding your freestyle intensive with you, August, uh, 
is in New York City. I don't remember the year. 16, I think, three years ago? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, that really helped me integrate it more into my life. Like it's, um, at the time I wasn't even using Oracle cards or I wasn't like, I didn't know what an amethyst was, you know, but that just got me interested. I used your book and then I thought about, you, you named like a whole bunch of authors to look up and that was just the start of finding myself, um, learning about myself on like through freestyle, through dance. And then it's all about for me play, like allowing myself to play. Um, but I had to find that in a, in a kind of structured way first for, as an adult, you know, like so structured, meaning it's in my pole room, I can play here and then recognizing, Oh, I can play in meditation. And then I can do this when I take a walk, when I ride my bike. And then, then gradually it leads to other things like, Oh, I can do this when I teach, um, when I write and then until you're comfortable, like, Oh, I can do this when I, when I play with rocks, you know, and, and then eventually it just, it goes into everything that you do, but it does take a while. It's, um, it's not like you can just turn it on. Like it's a gradual acceptance of it. And it's constantly changing every day. What freestyle means to me today is different from what it means to me tomorrow, you know, yeah. and cause I'm not ready to understand what it means tomorrow, right? Like where I am today is different. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. And you know, it's a, the, it might be a singular concept, but it also reaches as you say, in so many different directions. And I love that you bring up the idea of, you know, you working play into a small container, like a pole space. And now it's everywhere in your life. You know, you can even notice that play can be a part of brushing your teeth, making coffee. It's like cooking. It's it's a, yeah, it's a choice. And it's a, it's a way to, it's a lens in which to experience your life. And I think, you know, we go into these classrooms or I, you know, I, I go into these classrooms and, and try to facilitate freestyle. And I love, it makes my whole world go around when I see how people integrate those qualities into life itself, because I think, I think that's quite magical personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so cool to watch, you know, watch your, your jewelry process unfold and how your pieces are constantly changing as you evolve, which is really interesting. And I, I have, uh, quite a few of Levy's pieces and, um, I love wearing them. They do feel different. I work with crystals a lot. I've worked with crystals for many years now. In fact, I'll honor Danielle Romano as my initiator into the world of crystals. Um, and when I wear a piece that you've made, it definitely has, you know, a different feeling to me um, than other pieces that I have. So I want to ask you about how you feel about your pieces. The question I wrote here is because I always sense from you this really lovely, um, acceptance and pride in your work, but I wanted to know, do you ever judge your work? If you do, how do you judge it? Oh my goodness. Last night I made this piece and it's been a while since this has happened. So I'm kind of grateful for that. But I was like, oh, this is ugly. I, <laughs> I am not posting this. <laughs> and But recognizing that it's been a while, um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But I think a 
a large part of what I do when I work with the crystals is first I do Reiki, like putting positive energy on my space. So then acknowledging that whatever I create, if I'm just feeling good when I create it, then that's the best part of it. And if I, if something good comes out of it, then that's great. If something ugly comes out of it, whatever, you know, like that happens too. You can always start over. Like it's just wire. That's how I try to see it. Yeah. And I think that's such an abundance mindset. It's like abundance. Uh, yeah. Mindset that you can make something on your, on, I don't know if it's a bench or a desk that you work at, but you can make something and there's no pressure for it to be anything and that you can just honor the experience, which I think is also such a present moment, um, activity like, like freestyle is. So tell us a little bit about your experience while you're making a piece. So you're doing Reiki on your space, you're preparing the, the, the frequency of, of the space, and then you're down with the materials. Talk to us about like selecting it and where do you go in your mind or in your body when you're making these pieces? What are you thinking about? Well, firstly, I try to select, um, healing stones that are already Reiki charged by another Reiki practitioner or from a small business owner that I know that when I, when I touch it myself, like I feel her love in it. So, because I'm working with these crystals for hours, they're touching me as well. Of course I clear them like of negative energy beforehand, but it's still like energy. So I, I, I um, highly suggest also doing that if you're looking into wire wrapping, like good quality, high quality stones, possibly already Reiki charged. Uh, And then um, when I first started, I didn't use stones that were made for jewelry. I just was using the stones that I had that I had bought from a crystal shop um, or or online. And if it's a rough piece, because, you know, these stones that are not made for jewelry, they don't look perfect. And I love that because you can use the ridges of the stone as part of the jewelry. So I'll first look at it and it's part of my meditation. So I'm, I'm actually looking at a stone right now as we're talking. Um, Mm. I, I touch it, I put it in my hands and I think like, which part of you is so beautiful that everyone needs to see it. Mm. Uh, And notice that part, like it might like sparkle or, or it might just like, I might intuitively just be like, this is the part that needs to be shown. And then I'll see like, which part of the stone is going to help me hold you into place. And there's sometimes little ridges in it where I could put the wire naturally. Um, and then that's where I start. That's kind of like my planning. Uh, that's not always where it ends. And that's, that's pretty cool too. I don't always have a plan. Um, like I, I always think, what am I going to show? And then what am I going to use, um, to help me make it more secure. And like you were saying, abundance mindset, as long as I have all the materials near me, then I feel like I can go anywhere. It's like when you're painting, but you, and you have all the colors in front of you, then it's easier to pick out like, Oh, I'll add yellow here. Um, but if I, if I don't have that mindset of thinking I can add anything I want, I might not even add anything. It might just be the rock, but it's just that mindset of like, I can go anywhere from here. Um, I can add any swirl, uh, because I can always take it out. It's, it's that mindset of like being okay to play. And if it looks ugly, just take it out. Do you think on that note, if you were working with another material, do you think you would have that same level of 
freedom? Do you think that wire wrapping um, is, offers a malleability that's very appealing for the way that you work? Oh, yeah. It's because I, I first worked with brass um, because I accidentally bought it because I didn't know the difference. I just thought oh, it's sparklier. And brass is a little bit more expensive and harder to bend and very frustrating. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's good that I actually had that experience because when I teach, I also teach um, how to wire wrap. I've been teaching in a, locally. But when I teach others and I notice that that's how they're feeling. I'll, I'll recognize that feeling when I had it and try to give them other options. You know, it might just be, um, wire might be too hard for them to bend. So they feel like it's not malleable. So I, I'll give them a tool to help them bend it. Uh, so it is because this particular wire, uh, which is copper, it's a little bit cheaper and it's okay if I, um, throw it out, but I also, I don't actually just throw it in the garbage. I use the scraps um, and I, I keep the scraps in the little box and I know there's always going to be something I would use, but if I was using gold, which I, I have bought, um, gold wire because someone had asked me to make uh, stud earrings in gold. So I had to buy so many different types of gold wire to make those stud earrings and they all didn't work until I finally found my design. Um, I, at the time I was thinking this is too expensive, but now stud earrings are like one of my top designs. And it was because I was okay with all of that experimental money that I used, uh, with that gold that didn't work out. I eventually found something that worked and that's, you know, my top selling product. So it's kind of a story I tell myself that whatever money I put into this, like it's going to come back to me. And as long as I'm having fun in the process, then that's what's important. Absolutely. So um, tell me about one of your favorite experiences creating with jewelry. Okay. I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> it's that's. The, it's the lion seed that you bought. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, we should tell everyone why we're reacting so big. <laughs> Levy made a, a beautiful piece of jewelry that I couldn't stop looking at. And it was a Lemurian, I'm having trouble pronouncing this right now. Lemurian, Lemurian seed. Lemurian. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I purchased it and she shipped it all the way to the United States. And it was like one of the coolest pieces she made. And she talked about how transcendent it was for her to make. And then it never arrived at my house. I'm, I'm a bit sad about it. Like it's very rare that things get lost in the mail from Japan to the U.S. In fact, some people even get their shipments within eight days. But when I moved to the U.S. in two weeks, like I'll have tracking available it's not available now um, in Japan. But uh, so, yeah, this piece, it got lost in the mail. Some, it's somewhere around the world. It, it will arrive. It, I'm going to be okay with that. <laughs> but um, I guess the reason it was my favorite piece, piece was because I had never designed anything like that before. Like it was never even something that I've seen in someone else's Instagram, maybe I might have seen it by accident. I didn't realize, but I felt like this is a brand new design and it just came about 
because I was playing. Um, I remember creating it, just having fun with it. I had a day off from work that day. Um, it was a Friday. So there was this kind of freedom of time of like, I have all the time in the world because normally I would be at work, but I'm not. And there's that kind of freedom of time really affects how I work. Yeah. And I, I can spend 10 minutes on this and then stop, or I can spend like three hours on this and I can stop and like, whatever it is, like, let me just go with it. I, and like I said before, I looked at the piece. It was like, I think I remember it was at this termination with like a point And I really wanted to showcase that uh, a big part of my jewelry is I try to showcase as much of it as possible with very little wire wrapping. Um, and I, I had, gotten a shipment of Swarovski crystals the maybe the day before I just had them open and available and I thought let me throw this one in um and I, I somehow made a sun I and I thought like this is so me you know because that's like my brand um soul which means sun in Spanish it just feels so like it I it felt like that was supposed to happen at that particular time and this kind of exhilaration all over me of like, I created this beautiful thing. Um, and I posted it right away. I actually noticed a difference in my energy when I create something and then I talk about it right after I'm still like writing on that high of creation Absolutely. And, actually, and people notice. And usually that gets bought, like whatever I post about immediately, like it gets bought right away. Um, if I wait like, cause if I make it at night and the lighting isn't as good, I only use natural lighting right now. Uh, if I wait and I do it the next day, like it doesn't always get bought. It's it. My videos are like, so this is a, it's a rock. <laughs> I don't have that same excitement. Um, but going back to that crystal, like I remember just starting with meditation, like it was Reiki, it was meditation. And I said all these things to myself like this is going to be so fun I've never worked with a Lemurian seed um I wonder how this feels and even before I started like touching it I felt it like immediately I felt lighter I felt you know I just felt like oh I, I can't wait to like hold this for a long time or I can't wait to create something where someone can wear it and feel this kind of lightness so that was my favorite piece I'm sure it's going to come up again somewhere in the world. <laughs> I, I said to you one time that um, that happened to me before with a, another piece that I was really eager to um, work with. And it took like, it took a while to make it, make its way to my house. Um, and that's, there, there's, there's another, you know, you could say that these kinds of things have a mind of their own as well that don't have anything to do with, you know, your timelines and you just have That's to be true. patient. That's really true. So, and then because of that contrast, I, I, I bought more and now, uh, I don't know, I think there must be 30 listings where most of my things are now either Lemurian seeds or like a Lemurian aura quartz. Like I, I just love working with it. So it was because of that first one piece that although it's lost, it has led to other small like another tangent of I guess happiness of like that I'm writing here you know like it started with that one piece and now I'm making other things with it necklaces and and rings and um and even selling it just for a crystal grids like I I loved working 
I remember that piece because I loved working with the energy and then how it just came about. Um, and also understanding that even though it's not, we don't know where it is, like I'm still receiving the positive energy from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've already, you've already been in relationship with it, right? That doesn't yeah. just disappear. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about crystals. Why not? We're, we're talking about crystals indirectly. So let's get direct about it. Um, tell me some of the, your favorite types of crystals to work with right now or to make into jewelry. You know, you've already started us off with, um, with the type we were just talking about, but, um, what do you like to wear and what are you really enjoying making for other people? Um, I like to wear sparkly things. Like even before I started making jewelry, um, it was mostly just what sparkles. So I, I try and take that into anything I create and there's even things that don't sparkle, but they feel good. Um, like I'm wearing a Moldavite right now. It, it doesn't sparkle, but it feels really good. And I just feel like there's something about it that I can make, I can make it look beautiful, you know, and make people enjoy wearing it, not only physically, but like, like a Moldavite isn't that pretty. It's like a green, black. It's definitely pretty when you illuminate it, when you see the actual color quality of it, but I understand it's, it looks extra, extraterrestrial, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look very traditional as a piece. Yeah. It's got all these, you know, patterns in it. Cause it basically like, um, melted and then rehardened in, you know, in motion. Um, like it's a tectite. They are, they're really interesting looking, but you can imagine not a lot of people might think they're beautiful. <laughs> or or want to wear it around their neck. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's kind of like my goal where, you know, there's this stone that has so many healing properties, it just feels good to wear. So how can I make it so beautiful that people will wear it every day? Um, so those are the, one of the things that I'm I think about. So right now I like Lemurian seeds, Moldavite, or a quartz because they're they're just sparkly and beautiful. So I, I like them when they're also Lemurians uh, and Labradorite is one of my favorites because it's, it's, I like how it has a natural flesh. How about for people, there might be people listening who don't work with crystals at all. Um, you want to share a little bit about your favorite ways to work with them? I think that could be quite, quite practical. Yeah. So I have my own, I guess, 10 10 necklaces that I have and they're hanging, um, slightly away from a window. Cause you don't want to put your jewelry, uh, right in front of the sun. Cause it, it fades and it also kind of just fries your jewelry. So it's, it's in daylight, but not direct daylight. And I have them looking at me. Um, so I'll stand in front of this. It's actually on a hanger. It looks, I think it looks cool. It like looks like a wind chime and I close my eyes. I take a breath and then I just, I open them and I think about like what healing properties do I need today? And there might be just something that catches my eye and then I'll, I'll trust that. Like I won't question it. It's just, Oh, okay. That one looks pretty to me today. And I don't ask any questions and I wear it. And then I'll do that three more times. Cause I try to wear three pieces of jewelry mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and my rings. Like I'll do that. It's there in a box. Sometimes I do it with my eyes open first. I'll close my eyes and then open them. And then it'll just, I'll just pick 
the one that catches my eye first. But sometimes I feel like I want to close my eyes and just put my hand over all of my rings or any stone. And there might be something like a, a gentle nudge or just like, just grab this one. And again, I don't question it because how, how would that hurt you? Like, there's no right or wrong answer here. Right. I, I just always, I just try to trust. What's that? Oh, no, I was agreeing with you. I was thinking, yeah, I mean, a lot of people might think, you know, is my intuition correct in this idea of putting it in the right or wrong category? But um, I agree with you that regardless, if you're you're honoring, you know, what you feel is right in that moment, that that's a real cultivation of trust and that that will lead you somewhere because there really is no wrong decision, wrong pathway because you know, it leads you somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the more you totally trust your intuition, these kind of gentle, like thoughts that come to your head, the more you trust them and go in that direction, then the more, um, those little thoughts come to you. And then suddenly you have a small business, you know, (laughs) it's just, that's, it's like fully trusting and being like understanding that there's no right or wrong answer. Right. So it's just like, oh, let me start this one listing on Etsy. I, again, I only lose 20 cents. But for some reason, there's a big fear of like, I'm exposing my art. I'm exposing myself. I lose 20 whole cents. This is too much time. This is too hard. But it's it's just like recognize when those doubts come because they come to me as well. You know, just recognize, okay, those are just doubts. Release it and, and go with it. You know, like if, if something is like gently telling you to go in one direction then go for it. And people think like you start a small business from like one giant like event that happened. And it's, it's not always like that. It's just following your intuition. If you feel good doing this one thing, because this one rock makes you happy and you want to wrap it, do that. And then where does it go from there? That's, that's all it is. It's just one, it's just following your intuition to what feels good. Yeah. Tiny incremental decisions, you know, over time consistently can lead to incredible places. And I think I resonate with that as well, because that's the nature of how, what I do for living developed as well. Um, and it, and it really flourished when I um, got out of my own way and, and not to say that, the resistance that happens and the things that people need to do to just reach that point where they surrender or reach that point where they stop resisting. I think all of that is still important too, because, you know, everyone's got their own path and there may be that, that, that person who's hesitant to start an Etsy page for X, Y, and Z may need to work through a few more things. And then there's no problem in that and everyone's speed. Um, I just think it's really amazing that your the flow, the speed of your flow has been, has seemed to be picking up momentum because again, October, 2018, and you could very <laughs> nearly work on this solely, which is but in a way, like, I mean, that's when the Etsy started, but I feel like this has always been part of my life in some way. Like it's, it's weird to say this is what happened from this day to this day, but I started making jewelry 10 years ago because I, um, I wanted as a classroom teacher, I wanted to make something for my homeroom students, um, that was affordable for me. So I went to Michael's 
and I picked up an earring set and then I started to make some, like I made something for each of them. And then that's, then, um, then I started making like smaller necklaces for friends and then I stopped. Then I came to Asia, like, and then there was a huge, um, I guess there's just this time I wasn't creating jewelry and then I, then I started again. So it's, it's saying yes to all of those tiny things that will have, it, it will turn into something bigger when you look back at it. It's, it's hard to say, it's hard to explain that, but, um, it's just that when you start every day with an idea of it's okay to play and there's no right or wrong answer, there's so much that, that a mindset can lead to, um, <laughs> that's so integral into, I think, any small business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's of course things to be said for, you know, having whatever safety net yeah. you need in order to maintain play. Right. Because when stress comes up because of very real world practical issues, you know, there needs to be support for that aspect of business as well. But it's knowing what do you really need for that to be okay so that you can be in this flow and you can ride inspirational surges and you don't have to do that in a forced way because you can't really force inspiration. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) what I love what you've been doing to cultivate more space for inspiration. And to me, what I see when I see you work is that you actually have an incredible amount of discipline. You do these practical things every day that are your ritual that set you up for the greatest potential to create and to play. Um, and I think that is not as easy as, you know, it seems to wake up and follow these rituals, but, um, do you want to talk real quickly as we close about how rituals have, um, have formed in your life? Well, in, well, with, in terms of rituals, I like to start my day with meditation, but there are some days when I'm just not feeling it mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm, I've learned to be okay with it, but it's funny because I don't think I would have learned to be okay with it until I've done it every day for a year. Uh, I'm not saying you should do that. Um, I'm saying like, because I did it every day for a year, I recognize that I don't need to start my day with meditation or like this feeling of like positive energy that I could be meditating while I'm riding on my bike and I could be meditating while I'm working with my jewelry. So it's nice to start with ritual, but it's also being able to know the rules so well that you can break them. And when ritual doesn't happen, when I light that candle and my mind's all over the place and I still can't meditate, it's okay. I walk away from the candle and I'll do something else. And I recognize, well, I'm going to meditate doing this right now. Um, and meditation doesn't look like you're sitting there chanting with your eyes closed. It could be, um, looking at a piece of food and loving that piece of food and like putting it into your mouth and thinking of all the people that um, made it possible for that food to go into your mouth. Like that's meditation. And at first I thought I can't start my day with practice without my practice. And then I realized like my day is my practice. Everything I do during the day, that's, that's the vibration that I'm putting into everything I do. Um, 
So I say that to myself when I can't get myself to meditate in the morning. And then I, it's easier for me to walk away from it and I'll end up coming to it if, it, if I need it. That's beautiful. Uh, and I, I totally resonate with that as well, because again, there are days that fluctuate and you move in cycles. Um, and I think, I think I love this idea that if you're not doing the the ritual in the part of your morning, you actually are realizing that it's, it's everywhere all the time. Um, that's beautiful, Levy. Thank you. I think we should, um, wrap there, but before we go, I'd love for you to share, how can people find you? Um, you want to share any information about your page? This is the plugging time. So (laughs) plug away. So I, I, I'm only available in three forms of media right now. I'm hoping to spend more time on that later, but mostly you can find me on sparklesofsoul.etsy.com and soul is spelled S O L like the word sun in Spanish. And I'm also that in Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. And very soon you will be leaving Japan, right? Yes, in about two and a half weeks or something like that. And I will be uh, in the U.S. probably permanently. It's hard to say what that means, but um, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome chatting with you and I really enjoyed this and hope to um, inspire a few other creative projects out there with with your words. Um, And thank you for your time, Levy. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finding Your Freestyle podcast. To learn more about Finding Your Freestyle, visit our website at www.findingyourfreestyle.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook under Finding Your Freestyle.